0: Good to be here, it's good to be back, it's good to be alive this morning, after last week. Um, can we put the first um, title please, the first slot up, that's great, I'll waffle while you do that. Um, this is the final part in the fresh series we've been doing, and uh, this is, that's tonight's, it's the first one I want. Um, This is the uh, a little bit of an extra one. That's it, perfect. A little bit of an extra one I wanted to throw in, just to give you something of a clue as to what God can actually do with our lives. What is He doing? What is He saying? What's happening with us? How do we survive this thing? Um, Just to grasp some of the, the, the the preciousness that we have and the joy of being in this Christian life, because it is an amazing journey. It's a fabulous thing, and I'm going to do that through the medium of marathon running. Is that all right? boy, when marathon running goes wrong, marathon running goes wrong. And I I want to address this this morning because we're looking at this fresh series. Remember we said fresh was something that was new, brand new, recent, latest, up-to-date, modern, modernistic, ultra-modern, newfangled, more original, novel, different, innovative, unusual, uncommon, out of the ordinary, unconventional, unorthodox, offbeat, radical, revolutionary, out of the common. We said that's what the Christian life was. It was fresh. It was alive. It was new. That is not how I felt last week. I want to talk to you about marathon fail. When marathons fail, I just want to assure you, I got my medal. I didn't fail. Yay! So I got my medal. Here's the thing. I want to tell you a story about a guy that decided to do a marathon. And he woke up not feeling too good. He had a bit of a chest infection and been coughing a lot not being able to train as he ought to do. But he dragged his wife out of bed at silly o'clock in the morning, and he drove up to York to do a marathon, and it was wet, and it was cold, it was windy, but there was a cafe, and he went and stood in the cafe, having queued the traffic to arrive on time, and he stood in the cafe a little longer, and he was warm, and he said, the start line's just down there, this was me, the start line's just down there, it's two minutes walk away, I can just jog across, ready to go. Weeks earlier, I'd received a handbook with my race number in it. And in the handbook, it gave me the start of the, of the marathon time, and the start of the 10-mile race, and the start of the charity race, and the start of the relay race. And I just kind of glanced through it because I've done it before, so I knew what it said. Except they've changed it. And, you know, when we don't read the instructions and we think we know, terrible things can happen. So I said to Joel, it's cold, it's wet, it's raining. You uh, I walk up into York, and grab a coffee, I'll see you halfway around the course or something. I'm just going to go to the start line now. It's a couple of minutes to the start. I get there, nobody. I'm looking around thinking, where are all the managers? We have 5,000 people here. Where are the 5,000 people? And I looked up and down and I thought, everybody's got numbers on, but they're all different numbers to mine. So I walked across and I shouted a the steward across. and said, excuse me, this is really weird, but where is everybody? And he looked at me and he said, that's a marathon number. I said, yeah, yeah, it is. Why is it different to all of theirs? He said, because they're the 10 mile runners. They're the 10 mile elite runners. Well, where are the marathon runners? Kid, they left 35 minutes ago. <laughs> all summer I've trained for this. And they set off 35 minutes ago. It's raining. It's wet. I'm coughing my guts up. And they went 35 minutes ago. Do you know what my first reaction is? I am going home. <laughs> oh, pants. Julie's walked into the center of York. That was my reaction. Ah! Oh. And he said, you better go see the race director. So I jumped over the barrier, jogged up in pouring rain in front of all these people looking at me and and I got to the race director. Oh. And she said, did you get your pack in the post? Yeah. Did you read your pack in the post? Obviously not. <laughs> she said, they're 35 minutes in front of you. I can't let you go because we're about to set off the 10-mile race. And you won't get a race time anyway because we've just reset all the clocks. All you'll get is a total race time. Oh, I get, oh. And she looked at me. And then she said the best thing ever. She said to me, you're a runner, aren't you? <laughs> and I said, yes, and I sucked my stomach in slightly further than normal. Yes, I said, I'm a runner. She said, you can go, and you've got to go right now, and if any of the 10-mile runners catch you up, we'll take you out of the course. You've got to get to the 10k mark before they catch you up, or you're withdrawn. Right. Okay, so she said, keep an eye out for the police motorcycle in front of the ten mile runners, because if he passes you, you're out. Right. So I had this weird sensation of setting off with no timer, running through central York in the pouring rain, with hardly any crowds left, by myself. It's like York had been closed for me. (laughs) It was the weirdest sensation. And I, I'm jogging along, and what, oh, i tell you what she did say to me. She said to me, I can't allow you to start unless you're extenuating circumstances. So if anybody says, why are you still running, just say, your car broke down. I said, it didn't, I was late. She said, your car broke down. I said, no, no, my car's fine. I was just, oh. <laughs> so every time I ran, but is this, do I need to repent of lies for this? Is this sin? So every time I ran past the steward, I just instinctively went, the car broke down. So I ran like crazy. I was, I've never run that fast in my life, because I could hear a police bike behind me. <laughs> and I just made it before they broke off. Just made it, and got through and could carry on the race. It's the most weird feeling in the world, running. Because people looking at me, they either thought, he's the slowest marathon runner in the world, because everybody else went past 35 minutes ago. Or he's the fastest 10-mile runner imaginable. <laughs> Anyway, I finally began to catch up the backmarkers, and they were slow. They were really slow. I mean, I caught some, I think some of them might have been pulled out, because I was was passing backmarkers before I got the 10-mile break-off point. So I think they may have been pulled out of the race. Just imagine that, but, but they weren't. As I ran through the backmarkers for the next probably 20 kilometers trying to catch up, I've got to say, just as by the by, it's great starting at the back, because I I overtook nearly 1,500 people. It makes you feel really good, that. I mean, all right, they were mind-numbingly slow people, but I was still overtaking them. But here's the thing, the back markers normally would have been an annoyance, because they're that bit slower, and they're they're just like there for charity, or for fun, or just trying it out, or a personal challenge, they're the wrong shape, they're ill-prepared, they tend to be in the way. Suddenly... I thought, these people have been going 35 minutes, and I'm with them, and they're going to keep going. Suddenly, I saw them in a totally different different light. They were completely different. These people were running, and it mattered to them. They were running their race. And I'm thinking, I've got problems. I've set off 35 minutes late, and I'm with them, and I'm going to pass them. When I'm long finished, they'll still be going. They'll still be running the same course, taking the same number of steps, going the same direction, with the same goal in mind. But their race was different to mine. So I just carried on saying, I can do this. This is where the battle begins. So with that in in, in mind, uh, I I just want to explore the story of Thomas this morning. And the whole theme, the whole backdrop is the mistakes. I mean, the, the sermons I could just pull out of that experience are countless. But I just want you to imagine the emotion of standing there. All the preparation, all the excitement, all the build-up, anticipating being in the huge crowd that was going to set off together, and suddenly you're by yourself. You missed the moment. You missed the moment. Everybody else is doing it. You've missed it. You're not in it. You're not part of it. Let's have a little read about this character, this guy called Thomas. So this is after Jesus has died. He's risen again. And this is a little story from John's Gospel, a book that John, one of Jesus' followers, wrote about his experiences of Jesus Christ and how he perceived him and the stories that happened. And it says in verse 24 now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nails in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were, put my hands into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. So on the day that Jesus rose again, he appeared to the disciples. Now you imagine, Jesus appears to the disciples, this buzz is going around, but you are Thomas and you weren't with them. You weren't with them. You didn't experience this moment. You weren't there. It's hard to imagine. I've got to tell you, as I stood on that line, just an empty street, it was hard to imagine that moments earlier, thousands of excited people had been there, with thousands more people cheering them on, and suddenly the whole street was deserted. Imagine the moment gone. Thomas found himself in this place where he'd been absent. Perhaps his faith had dropped away. Uh, perhaps he just didn't show. We don't know. Scripture doesn't tell us why he wasn't there with the disciples, but it just tells us he wasn't there. And as a result of, of his words and as a result of his actions, doubt has followed him for two thousand years. He has been badged and marked for two thousand years. And still today we refer to him as doubting Thomas. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being remembered for thousands of years as Doubting Chris, doubting Julie, doubting Dean. Actually, just has got a ring that one, hasn't it? <laughs> doubting Linda, doubting GJ. Can you imagine? You, you, you don't want to carry that, do you? Nobody wants to carry that. But actually, if we look at this story of Thomas, something remarkable happened. Even though he missed the moment, he was there. He came back. He didn't walk away. He didn't walk away. I've got to tell you, there was a massive temptation upon me to just think, you know what, I've missed the moment. This is all over. I'm going to walk away. But I, I, would, have lived, I would have lived forever with that what-if sensation. What if? Forever, no matter how many more marathons I run, people would have always, always reminded me of that day I turned up late to York and didn't run. If I had become a world record breaker, I won't, by the way. But if I had, people would always say, they'd be celebrating the world record, and they'd all say, it's remarkable, Paul Weppard's got the marathon world record. Do you remember that time he turned up late? I would have always been reminded of the time I came late. You know, one of the worst things we do as Christians, we often remind ourselves, as just as people, let alone Christians, just as people, we remind ourselves of the times when we turned up late. We remind ourselves of the time when we missed a moment. We remind ourselves of the time when everybody else has gone. We're, we're kind of conscious. We label and badge ourselves with a, what didn't happen or what went wrong. And God's in the business of saying what I am doing and where I am going. And yet we are so determined to mark ourselves with what is now or what we missed out on. God sees who we are, who we are becoming. It's not a compliment is it to be called doubting. The wonderful thing, of, thing about God's Word is that it's always fresh. It is always fresh. So that for Thomas to be back in the presence of God's people, back amongst the disciples, back in the presence of Jesus, freshness and life was still going to come. Freshness was always going to be there. It's always going to be new. Always full of more richness for us to follow. Um, always full of an enriched life. Today I'd like to look at that passage and understand that it's fresh life. Not just from Thomas's perspective, but look at how amazing the disciples were. Look at how amazing the disciples were. They encouraged him. They told him that Jesus is alive. Thomas had missed out on the big moment. All he had was second-hand stories for the big day. The moment was gone. And people love the moment. People love that. That event. That. Moment in time, they mark themselves by those particular things. But I want to tell you, it's a mistake. People like living in the moment. In many charismatic new church traditions, the Christian life is about getting the right experience. But discipleship living is about the deeper work of loving well, living well, and serving well over time. Now, For me, the remarkable thing I found when I was running that day was that in the pouring, pouring rain, where I'd missed my moment, standing all around that course for 26 miles were volunteers. Soaked to the skin. They were going to stand there for something like eight hours in wind and rain. And do you know what they did every time you came near them? They cheered, and they smiled, and they applauded, and they whistled, and they rang bells. Have you any idea how that feels? The admiration you have for somebody that can do that. Why were they there? Because they've got a passion for people like me running a race. Church, we don't live in a moment. We don't live for a thrill. We're about discipleship. We're about journey, we're about time, we're about endurance, we're about continuing, we're about pressing on, we're about going deeper, we're about loving better, we're about living better, we're about serving better, we're about living Christ's life and his character being absorbed and that takes time, that takes all your life. If you are breathing, you are still in the process. God has not finished yet. Don't be afraid of missing out on the moment. God has your race in mind. Don't be afraid if you think your moment is gone. Why were they picked and not me? Why have they got a title and not me? Why has this not happened? I thought I was going to be good at that and I failed. You know what? You're in a race. And it's your race that God has appointed you to for you to run with Him. You're not running my race. I'm not running yours. We're running our race. The amazing thing is, we're doing it together. See, when I'm on that marathon course, it is my race. But we are racing together. We are running together. And so we can cheer each other on. We can encourage one another. We can shout one another on. And I experienced that very literally, physically. And I know spiritually that's also true. So the moment is gone, but the race continues. The other disciples told Thomas, it says, the other disciples told him, they were speaking out faith from their place of faith to the one who needed faith. And that's a remarkable thing, isn't it? There's none of that kind of, oh, well, you know... Julie wasn't there again stayed in bed and the Holy Spirit moved and you were in bed you have missed it again story of my life that's not what we do we encourage and we say we don't do that kind of you missed it we were there you weren't we do that hey this is what God's doing get involved hey look at what the Lord is doing come and connect with this, come and be part of this, he's not finished yet, we stir one another up, you know, we've all known people that are struggling, are falling by the wayside, people that are towing to continue, people that are battling with their faith, People whose personal circumstances overwhelm them, what if you're a shift worker and you get to be in this place once a, once a month, what if you get to our fellowship once, twice a month, when some of us get to our fellowship three, four, five times a week, what about that person that needs cheering on, Because they're living their Christian life out there in reality. And they need the input that we can give them. They need cheering on because they're missing those high moments. We don't take the moments for granted. We cherish them, but we can proclaim them in faith and encourage other people with them. Because we're about endurance and discipleship and running a race and being transformed and loving people. See, the disciples had a heart to encourage. There was no condemnation because he'd missed out, but encouragement to run his race. Isn't this amazing? Scripture doesn't say, and the other disciples gave him earache for not being there when Jesus came the first time. I would have put that. I would have put, and the disciples looked askance at Thomas and said, Verily, where were without when the Lord came? That's what I would have put but they didn't. They said, mate, this is what's just happened. Jesus is alive. That is amazing. And I love that the verses say, Thomas was with them. See, he still belonged. He was still part of it. He'd missed out on an incredible moment, but he hadn't missed out on the journey. The race continued. You know, I just want to encourage you. You may feel that circumstances of your life have meant that you have missed out on a moment, that something has happened and it hasn't it hasn't it's just not the same. I missed that moment that everybody else had. Here's the deal: it was just a moment. That's all it was. It was just a moment, but the journey continues because God has not done. You know, sometimes we think we can miss a big thing in this place. Oh, I missed out, it will never be the same again. But get this. A big moment is so different to the eternity of life with Christ. It is just a moment. It's been said that a church is never as good as the best service or as good as the bad service. It is just a moment in time. Because this place is loved by Christ. He laid his life down for this place, for you, for me, for the people in this town. He loves this place. The moment isn't gone. Jesus hasn't returned yet. The race continues. And we're people that live in more than a moment. We don't just live on the start line or the finish line. We're the people that endure in the center, that are discipled, that are growing, that are reaching out, that are encouraging, that are running a race, step for step together. We can take the Christian life and be so familiar we fail to read the manual, fail to hear, fail to see, fail to be on time. But the amazing thing is, when that happens to us, just like Thomas, we can humbly show up late, but we can stay. We can stay and still run the race. When I ran, I came across some bat markers. Those who didn't train, those who didn't understand how far 26 miles is, those who would just uh, just give it a go. Uh, they were not great athletes, but they, were, they weren't on the couch either. At first, I was, I was frustrated by them, but then I got chatting to one of as I went past, and it was inspiring. It was inspiring. One guy. He was going to walk the whole distance. He'd got a stick in both hands. He was going to walk the whole distance. And he said, I just want to do it. I just want to do it. I just want to say I've done it. That was amazing. He was, going to, he was probably going to be at it 10, 12 hours. It, they'll have shut down the race when he got there, but he just wanted to do it. There was one guy there that was terminally with cancer, and he was kind of part walking and part being pushed in a wheelchair because he just wanted to be in it. He wanted to enjoy in the race. You know, it's not a case of being frustrated by people who are stronger than you or weaker than you or better than you or different to you. The point is we are on the same course. We are running the same race. Being inspired by one another. You know, so often we get frustrated at the weaker brother or sister, the weaker person in the church. But you know what? When that person just keeps coming back, they just keep coming back to that presence of God place. Just keep coming back to be amongst us. Just keep engaging. And when it all goes wrong and they fall away, but then they just keep coming back, I find that inspiring. Find that inspiring. I don't judge or condemn that person. I want to encourage that person, stir them up. I know they're going to fall over again, and they're going to fall over again. But here's the deal. They know where they belong. And they have the courage to return. So be very careful in church not to judge those around us. Not to judge the weak, or the faulty around us. I'm going to make this statement that is a little bit in your face. Not being involved with church because the church's weakness or fault sounds wise, but what is too painful to deal with is not the church's faults, but pride in myself. We share the race. You see, I wanted to scuttle past back markers and be a little bit disparaging until I realized there are elite runners that would run past me and could be disparaging. Because at my fastest, I am not half as fast as the winning runner. But we were all on the same route. We were all running the same race. Church, we encourage, we stir up. We don't compare, we don't contrast, we don't judge. What we do is we thank God for one another and stir each other on. We encourage one another. We build one another up towards unity. We build one another up to good works. We send one another out, commissioned in Christ, to go into all the world. That's why we gather, not to compare notes to see who's best, not to be frustrated or angry, but to build one another up, to bear with one another in love. That's what Scripture says. See, these runners were on the same route as me. Step for step, we would cover the same course in our race. Our good news of Jesus Christ isn't judgment, but it is forgiveness and transformation in here for out there. Yeah. That's the amazing thing about this gospel that we have. The amazing thing about the gospel, is it fits us. Did you know that? The good news of Jesus Christ fits you. Yeah. It's perfect for your life. Now look around this room. How different are our lives? How different are our experiences? How different are the things that have happened to us? How different are our perspectives, our ages, our backgrounds, our cultures, our ethnicities? But you know what? The good news of Jesus Christ fits perfectly. That's why we don't judge in here. Because if we do, we'll judge out there. And actually, the good news of Jesus Christ fits perfectly out there. So wherever you go, when you're at work tomorrow morning, or when you're going down to shops to the market, I say this all the time, the good news that you have and you carry fits perfectly that situation you know you think to yourself yeah but where can Jesus where's Jesus in my job how can I possibly share Jesus in my job I've got to tell you Jesus Christ is all. Oh, I just totally totally believe this the good news of Jesus fits perfectly any scenario how we wisely do that that's why we're disciples I'm working out how to do that wisely but what I do know is that Jesus is perfectly the answer in every situation so if you work for the council in the council Robert or whatever it is you do or Mark doing that statistical thing, somehow in the midst of that, the only proper answer is Jesus. Yeah. So if you're working casualty and you're on a 29-hour shift or wherever it is, and, everybody, and there's a Channel 4 camera in your face saying, smile and look interesting, somehow in the midst of that, as a family's broken and hurt and you're just exhausted, Jesus is the answer. I've got to be honest, I don't quite know how all the time, but I know that it's true. And that's why we're disciples, because we're on a journey. And that's the amazing thing. You see, I could have gone home early, or I could have experienced all this. And I've got to tell you, this is a weird thing to say. That race last Sunday became my favorite race of all time. I loved it every moment of it, the torrential rain, running across the moor when the water was actually above my ankles as it ran off the field, and we were literally wading and splashing through water at the back of the course, it was insane, and yet somehow, oh can't I just tell you, boy the wet t-shirts give you nipple rash, wow, I'm still in recovery, I had the joy of running with the back markers. And that was a privilege and a joy because here's the thing. I am normally just so boringly average. My entire life has been average. I've always been in the middle of everything. And when I run races, I kind of do an average time. I run the average marathon time. Everything about me is average. But I got to run. Well, I got to do two things. I got to run with the 10-mile elites. And I I also got to run with the backmarkers. And the passion was amazing. It was a joy these people have been running 35 minutes longer than me and will be running when I'd long finished. I was inspired by them. See, they weren't backmarkers at all. They were just at that point in their race. Church, can we look around and not see in one another the back markers? Can we not look at one another and say, they've a long way to go yet. Oh, boy, they need to be better at their running. Can we look around the church and say, wow, they're running. Look at those people on the race. They're on the same course I'm on. If you've been on that part of the course, stir them up and tell them you can make it because you'll be on a new part of the course soon and you'll need somebody to stir you up to tell you that you can make it. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You know, there's nothing like being cheered on. You know, the last thing I needed to hear when I was near the end of that race and struggling and Julie's watching my times and they've nearly, my kilometre times nearly double because I've gone so fast at the beginning to not get disqualified. By the halfway point, I was spent. So my times fell right off. You know what I didn't need? It was people stood at the side of the course going, By oh, lad, you're slow. <laughs> was it really worth it? You'd be better off going home. You know what was amazing? In the pouring, pouring rain, there were members of the public who, for fun, had come out to watch, who were clapping and cheering and running, little kids running into the street with little balls full of jelly babies and things, just to like, give you something to keep you going. Do you know how good that makes you feel? And like a little seven-year-old runs up to you, do you want a jelly baby, mister? Or he's holding his hand out for a high five, and you're thinking, oh, that's too much energy. <laughs> Lower your arm. you run. Church, let's be the people that cheer people on. Cheer and encourage and laugh with them as they're on the race. It was brilliant to laugh and they laughed because they saw the pain and the wobbly legs and we all laughed and it was fun. But we, cheered, we were cheered on and we encouraged one another on and somebody will pat your back and you'll push somebody up a hill as you're running and all these kinds of things. Church, can we be the people that do that spiritually? Can we be the people that cheer one another on? And when we've run our race or we stood at the side of the track, can we cheer one another on and say, you can do this. You can actually do this. You can pray. You can discover the word of God. You can get through life. You will overcome this. The Bible tells a story of the workers in the vineyard. Do you know the story? What happens, it tells a story about some workers that that wanted a job. And The guy that runs the vineyard comes along at the start of the day and says, Hey, would you like to come and work for me? Here's what I'll pay you. Is that all right? Fantastic. They work all day. Partway through the day, he goes back and says, Hey, would you like to come and work for me? Yeah, we'd love to work for you. Well, here's the pay. Uh, it's the same as the other guys, but hey, you're starting at lunchtime. Is that okay? Yeah, that's great, we'll start. Does that three or four times through the day. Ten minutes before closing time, just before he's finished, he goes back and says, would you like to come and work for me for the last ten minutes of the day? Yeah, we'd love to work for you for the last ten minutes of the day. Great, here's the pay. End of the day, everybody gets paid exactly the same. And some people have not been there for ten minutes, other people have worked all day. That's God's economy not for us to decide how or who or when or why or it's fair or it's not fair or where are the gifts. Hey, I've done more. I deserve more. I should have more recognition. Here's the amazing thing with God in God's economy. What matters is we were prepared to go and work. We showed up and we stayed. And because of that, he honors us. That's God's economy. We don't have anything to bring to God. God gives us everything for us to return. Let me say this. Oh, I don't. If you need to discuss this with me afterwards, that's fine. We don't give our gifts to God. He gives his gifts to us. We do give our character to him, to, to him. So that in serving him, he can give his character to us. That's what we do. I am not doing God any favors because I've got some talents. You know, God does not sit on his throne in heaven and say, Oh my days! Wow, have you seen Paul's juggling? Nobody juggles like that. Because I guess if anybody could juggle, God would be better than they are at juggling. I don't know if God juggles. But I would guess if he does, he's better. at I guess he invented all things. He's a better juggler than I'm ever going to be. But here's the deal. What he does do is place things on us, and gives things to us, so that we can release them to him and give them back to him. Why? Because then as we serve him, my character becomes the character of Christ. Ah, oh, you know what, for these guys isn't it hard, these talented amazing people that we've got, you know what Rob I love you and your worship team doesn't matter they're just instruments what matters is your character before the Lord what matters is why you're there, the serving the heart Ephesians 2 verse 8 says for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. I love that picture up there. Uh, That's from a real uh, race. Uh, This guy uh, is running. He can't open his water bottle, but the elite athlete can. And the elite athlete holds his water bottle. How amazing is that? How humble is that? Paula Radcliffe once gave an interview of the big marathon and She said, the runners she most admired were not the naturally gifted or the professionals. She admired those running who were living ordinary lives, doing ordinary jobs, and still running, knowing they would never win because they win every time they run. Church, would we admire one another? Could we come to a place where we admire the faith of one another? Where we look at one another in this room and say, you're here. You're here. I admire that you're here. That is an amazing step of faith. Acts chapter 2 verse 1. When the feast of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. That warning, there was a sound like a strong wind. Gale force. No one could tell where it came from. It filled the whole building. Then like a wildfire, the Holy Spirit spread through their ranks. And they started speaking in a number of different languages as the Spirit enabled them. You see, on that day of Pentecost, when the disciples gathered and the Holy Spirit was poured out and flooded the room and began the launch of the church and transformation and salvation of thousands of people that day, the reliable people were there, the late people were there, the strong were there, the weak were there, the doubters were there, the deniers were there, the faithful were there, the faithful and confused were there together. And I think that sounds like a description of church. They were there. Church, sometimes all we can do is turn up. And I just want to encourage you, if you think, what is your Christian life worth? What are you doing? Sometimes you just turned up. Sometimes you just turned up and stayed. And that is a remarkable thing. The Bible says when we're together in unity, commands blessing. So we don't stop gathering. We always gather. No matter what the experience is, no matter what they're in, no matter how late we were, no matter what the, the situation was, we turn up and we stay, and we run our race together. We gather together. When we meet in Jesus' name, He promises to be there. So we meet in his name every week. Wherever you are in that race today, you haven't, if you haven't read the instructions, if you're not fit, if you're not naturally gifted, if you're at the back, if you came late, if you missed out before, you're still gathered here today in faith that maybe God could do something. The same crowd cheers you. The same saviour rescues you. The same call and promise rests over your life. The same crown awaits you at the end of the race. That's why the good news of Jesus Christ is fresh and alive ask the band to come back up please that's why the good news of Jesus Christ is fresh and alive he's new, he's brand new, he's recent he's latest, he's up to date, he's modern, he's modernistic he's ultra modern, he's new fangled, he's more original, novel different, innovative, unusual, uncommon out of the ordinary, unconventional unorthodox, offbeat, radical revolution out of common, that's called being a Christ follower, a Christian and that's who you are A child of God, called, set apart to run the race in faith. You're a child of God. That's who you are. That's who you are. And this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you, that's the uncommon life he can give you. That's the unique, wonderful life he can give you. But I just want to encourage you this morning. I want to challenge you and say, who's prepared to run the race? Who's prepared to run that kind of race? church I feel like never before we've got to be those people that don't speak with a cynical voice they don't speak with an all-knowing voice with an insightful oh I know if you knew what I know if you've seen what I've seen over the years if you've experienced this oh yeah but you know what in the kingdom of God they're not? oh yes but because God reigns over all of that when you walk through Barnsley right now isn't it amazing seeing it rebuilt and as it's rebuilt, I am I, constantly reminded of this thing, this meeting I was at where they said, when we rebuild the town centre, people will stop taking drugs and drinking and change their lives because they'll be so inspired by how amazing Barnsley is. So it's a strange experience to walk past the brand new building and find somebody unconscious on drugs at the doorway. I don't have an answer For that young guy on drugs in the doorway but somehow I know that Jesus does and in the race that I'm running I know that a point in time will come when I reach that marker and understand what to do with that person understand how to share faith with them understand how to speak into lives understand how to pray for them understand how to engage them with the good news of Jesus Christ I don't yet really know but I have a heart to do it you know the neighbours and family that think you're bonkers for being a Christian Dean, the ones that say to you, mate, what are what you on? You're going to run your race to a point where you begin to understand how to tell them, how to talk to them and engage them and with the gift and power of the Holy Spirit to empower you to be a witness that it will touch and change those lives. I really believe that because that's what God promises. That's what God promises. And so whatever your circumstances are this morning, I, just want, I want to say something to you. As you're in the pouring rain when everybody else is set off, or you think your moment's gone, or you're running out of steam, and what is happening in this race, you're still racing because you're still breathing. You can still submit that to God. The cynicism can be laid aside. The self-doubt, the, the self-loathing, the, the dislike, the disappointment, the pride, the gifting, all of that can be laid aside. It can be set aside. And we can just stay in the race and just stay in the presence of God so I want to I lay something before you this morning and say who's prepared to run the race who is prepared to run the race just as I close I want, I want to tell you I cried last Sunday it was raining so nobody could tell I mean it was really raining but I, all the way as I ran all I was thinking was this I basically ran for 26 miles just thinking, wow, God this, and Jesus that, and this is the gospel, and this is the... I just had this total spiritual experience, and part way around at something like 20 miles, when actually like, I've lost the will to live, and everything hurts, and you're like, mentally, emotionally, m- emotional. I just started crying. and I, You know that stupid... Does anybody have a stupid crying face? You're like, you're like you don't want anybody to see it. But you're running down the road, exhausted, and you're going, <laughs> and that's what I was doing. Because there was this sudden realization that God has not done yet. God has not done yet with this place. God has not done yet with this town. God has not done yet with his church. Because I, I, what I'd done with the previous, in my exhaustion was stack up all the reasons why not. All the reasons why not. And I want to tell you, as leader of this church, I know more reasons why God can't do it here than you do. You know, the tough stuff and the bad things and the failed things and the weak things around this church that you know about, I already know. And the deal is, I know an awful lot more too from other people. And an awful lot more than I've created. But here's the deal. We've gathered in his name. So Jesus is here. And he pours out his holy spirit on us. So we're still running the race. So he has not finished yet. He has not finished yet. And a crown awaits. So I want to encourage you this morning to be daring and to say, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how will get to the end. I don't know if I can carry on running. I sometimes feel exhausted. I need people to cheer me on. The only reason I'm still on this is because there are ropes down the side and if I'd, I'd wander off without them. But I'm prepared to stay. This is what we're about. Jesus Christ. Him crucified. Demonstration of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to know. And so I want to encourage you this morning to lay gifting aside and if necessary for musicians we've got musical tracks at the back we can put on if there aren't enough of you left to play or sing you may not respond at all but what if we came and stood on a start line together this morning what if we came and stood down here and said i want to be in that race and we just gather and we say you know like a, a prophetic act and say i'm going to come and be on that start line I'm going to be part of this race. And people of all sorts of different abilities, backgrounds, cultures, and ethnicities in Christ can become one. And so we can run this together. We can do this together and cheer each other on. So we're going to sing, and I'm going to ask you to come and stand here if that's what you want to commit to. If you're one of the people that turns up late and stays in your seat, or just can't respond to that, or you're not ready yet, that's fine, because here's the deal. Here's the deal. We're going to cheer you on anyway. We're going to encourage you on anyway. So if you refuse to get out of your seat or you're too afraid to get out of your seat or you're too confused to get out of your seat, don't worry. Through this week and next week and for the years ahead, we're going to cheer you on. We're going to say you can do this because you're still breathing. So I know God's not done with you yet. Okay? So that's it. Without any more emotion, without any more drive, I'm going to stop saying I'm not going to say any more words. I'm just going to sit down. The band are going to lead us. If the band don't want to, we'll put some music on at the back. And just wait before God. I want to stand on that start line. Is that the church I want to belong to? Is that the good news I want to carry out into my community? Is that the good news of Jesus Christ I want to share with those people around me? If it is, if you're ready, if you're all right at this moment in time to do that, without pressure, without judgment if you can't, I just encourage you to make a prophetic act before God and come and stand together and encourage those around you just by standing there. Amen.